Welcome to the Work Camper Show, brought to you by WorkCamper.com. This podcast helps you discover how to finance your RV travel dreams. Each one of our episodes will introduce you to people who are already living the RV lifestyle or to work camping opportunities all around the U.S. You'll also learn how to hit the road the right way and make the most of every opportunity. Now let's turn over today's show to your host, Greg Gerber. Today I have the privilege of interviewing a longtime RVer who is actually the RV industry's first full-time blogger when he started his business more than 20 years ago. Today's episode is brought to you by the featured employers at WorkCamper.com. These WorkCamper employers have taken an extra step to share some photos and detailed information about their WorkCamper programs. Opportunities exist for solos, couples, and families, whether they are full-time, part-time, seasonal, and even long-term jobs. Some are income opportunities and others involve volunteering at locations throughout the United States. Go to WorkCamper.com FE to meet the featured employers today. Employers who are seeking to hire work campers can learn about the benefits of year-round recruiting by becoming a featured employer. More information about featured employers is available at workcamper.com forward slash FE details. Chuck Woodbury is the publisher of rvtravel.com, a popular website that promotes the fun of RV living and addresses the challenges associated with the lifestyle as well. A resident of Washington State, Chuck has been RVing for 50 years, always in motorhomes. In the interview, he outlines some of the changes he's seen to the RV lifestyle over that five-decade period. Chuck is a very strong advocate of the RV lifestyle and has been a work camper most of his career by traveling in his RV and writing about his experiences. To tell us more about his company and what he loves the most about RV travel, please welcome Chuck Woodbury, the founder of RV Travel, to the show. Thanks for joining me, Chuck. I really appreciate it. I understand you are America's first blogger, especially when it comes to the RV industry. How long have you been doing this? I just realized this in the last couple of weeks, Greg, that I've actually been traveling in an RV for 50 years. And I think the pers- the people that knew me back then, are, I think most of them are gone by now. But those that may still be alive, they must think I'm 120 years old because I was traveling around in a motorhome. Let's see, I started in the mid-80s as a freelance magazine writer. That was my idea to make money on the road writing articles. And, and I was only in my early thirties, I was RVing before that, but I started, went out on the road to make money, to write magazine articles in, in my thirties. And here I am decades later, still doing it. And I think they thought back then, because I was in an RV that I was probably 60 or 60, like <laughs> everybody that was in an RV was a grandma That's and grandpa. Exactly. You know? Back then you're right. They didn't start yeah. RVing until they retired. Yeah. So here I am still around and I'm not, I still got my mind. So I'm okay. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes to the industry in 50 years. Oh, it's so much more sophisticated. I think in all the years, it was of course America and our parks and everything were far less crowded back when I started because the population was far smaller. And so there was never, I remember I used to do interviews about my unusual lifestyle and They'd say, do you make reservations? I said, oh no, I, and I'd never made a reservation ever. I just looked for an RV park or campground at four o'clock and pull in. And of course you didn't have to find a place that had Wi-Fi because there was no such thing. If I wanted to be connected, that man, I was in just had a little motor home, little 18 foot motor home, tiny. 
And if I wanted to be connected, that meant I could walk to a phone booth. That was it. Mm-hmm. So you could go anywhere. And, and so I did. And, but yeah, so no crowding. So I did a whole lot of camping, but I was actually out there to write and do stories. And that took a while to build, but eventually I found a way to earn my living doing it. That's great. When did you start RV travel? RV travel, I started, I think we started right about 2001. With RV travel started off as RV traveler. Uh, later, we got, I got the domain RV Travel, but I think we, we had RVBookstore.com. We were selling books. We That's... were biggest seller of RV books, but then it wasn't that Amazon did us in because they still were doing overnight. They were as slow as we were in getting stuff out. And also I started RV Bookstore probably in 95, so I don't remember, but RV Travel, the first article, first issue was to go out right after 9-11. 9-11 hit and we were supposed to go out that week. Nobody cared about RVing. So I think we put it off for a couple of weeks after that. Started off slowly with a handful of subscribers. And now we just hit, went over 100,000 wow. active subscribers. So I've been doing it 23 years. My daughter is now, who grew up RVing, is now editing it and and so I'm publisher and we, of course, we get to work together. So that's a dream for me. Um, do you but, have, uh, do you have a home base? Yeah, I'm actually have home most of the time now. I'm just north of Seattle near the little town of Snohomish, beautiful little town that's right on the edge of the metro area. And I'm here most of the time, but I still get out on occasion. And, but I, I just, it's after that many years, I, I didn't wait to retire to go out and get an RV. I've been doing it since I was a kid. And professionally for what, four decades. And then 10 years before that is just for fun. So I've seen it all. That's incredible. So what, what kind of coverage does RV travel specialize in? Do you provide tips for RVers or are you covering the industry? We don't cover the industry for the industry. We'll cover the industry as it applies to consumers. We'll keep them informed on things that matter to them. Mm-hmm. But we're not an industry publication. We don't represent the industry. We're supported about a third of our, not a third, about 6% of our readers actually voluntarily subscribe any amount they want. And that is a big source of income, not much advertising, but we make our money in what are called affiliate programs like Amazon, where you, somebody buys something, you, you get a little cut. We sell millions of dollars worth of products a year. So that adds up. And we have no office. All of our writers are, remote and how many writers do you have oh i think there's probably about a dozen that contribute regularly there's i think we have there's just maybe three of us four of us on the payroll actual formal employees but we're all over the place and i still do a lot of writing we just passed twenty thousand articles on our website we're just about any day now to hit a quarter million comments from our readers they're very engaged and so a lot of our material is comes from ideas from readers or actually readers send us uh, stuff and we, Hey, can we run that? And so it's, but it's about everything to do with RVing, but not, we talk about the the repair stuff and about the lifestyle is about buying and selling. I'm just a real advocate for, forget about these 15 to 20 year loans. That's just bad news. It is bad news, especially in an RV. They're not made to, to last that long. And so we advise them how to be smart, to really check out an RV, have somebody look at it before, professionally before they buy to 
because they're not going to see the industry is masters at hiding things that they don't want people to see and they're behind walls and whatever. So we get somebody who can, we recommend they get things checked out, but we can only, we're only reaching a fraction of the audience of the RVers out there. It's hard to build a big audience and having a hundred thousand is puts us way ahead of almost everybody else. I can imagine. Yeah. Do you yeah. folks offer travel features? Is that some of the things that you're writing yeah. about? Yeah, okay. we do. Yeah, you know, well, people do. It's all about the writing. If it's mm-hmm. good writing, if I write about something in, that in Virginia, in California, if somebody's never going there, they're not going to care about it. But if you write it in a way that's engaging and you tell them something, maybe teach them something, and it's just good reading, they will read it. Now, mm-hmm. because write, uh, our stories are a combination on one edge education on the other edge entertainment and somewhere in there there's a blend more entertainment less education or more education less entertainment story can be as dry as can be if it's full of great information like how not to kill yourself through getting shocked by your rv that's education and that's important to us how to what to do if your front tire blows out so you don't roll over and die yeah Uh, that's education and we work on that, but we also make people laugh. And sometimes we make them cry with some kind of a heartwarming story. It's a mag, it's more like a magazine is what we are. But it's all online. It's all online. It's all free for people that, that want it for free, rvtravel.com. And, and, and as far as being a work camping, the work camping angle, I started this not to go camping and just sit by campfires. And although that happened a lot. I started it because I wanted to earn my living as a writer. I thought of everything that I might want to do. Go to flea market, sell something, whatever. I think like anybody today who uh, wants to go out and earn a living on the road, because it's a wonderful life. It's just wonderful to be able to travel around and earn your living from wherever you are. And of course, today with the internet and mobile uh, work, it's so possible for people. And of course people have found out. So you that brings up issues of full campgrounds with full-timers and so forth. A very different world today than 50 years ago. It's much simpler. I, I agree. And it's yeah. nice to see younger folks out there RVing and work camping has made that possible by opening yeah. them up to short-term, limited-term jobs that they can work at and make decent money. Often comes with a free RV site. So they get most of their expenses covered and it just makes RVing easier. Yeah, easier and and if you've got the if you've got the nomad genes in you and you like I did, you just want to go out and explore, see what's around the next corner. There's nothing like having your little house with you, and if you tow a car, then you've got total freedom go somewhere for a month or two, settle in, or just go like I used to go and get yourself a little class B in a stealth camp and just go out and if whatever your hobbies might be, if you like to play golf, bring your golf clubs. You can play courses all over the country, whatever. And to me, it's been the best life traveling around and just stumbling upon interesting places and people and writing about them. And somebody sends me a check or though now it's comes a different way, but it still comes. What type of RV do you have now? I'm in between RVs. I just got okay. rid of my 32 foot Winnebago and I'm not sure what's next, but Gail, my partner, she has a, a small motor home 
And, and so it's a little 22 foot mini Winnie. So she wants to go out and do some stuff on her own. She joined sisters on the fly and she's just always had a dream. She's just like me. She's got that bug. And so she has a small RV. So we have a, a big yard here. So we have plenty of room for one or two RVs. And uh, so we just got back from a few couple of weeks over on the Oregon coast and inherited a little nice. RV. And back to where I started with 18 foot, 18 foot RV. Talk about small, little motorhome. But so I've, I've traveled without a car, with a car. I, I've just pretty much done it all. We, Gail and I went out for two years in our, our motorhome, our, our bigger motorhome, and we had a great time. Two years. Mm -hmm. just, it's wonderful. Have you always yeah. used motorhomes or have you had fifth wheels and travel trailers as well? No, I always had motorhomes. I, I never, I always just had that dream of looking in my rear view mirror and seeing my little house with me. <laughs> it was always, I never from... Back when I was in college and I was working on the school newspaper, which was a daily, I dreamed of somehow being on the road and it was always a motorhome. It was never towing something. So to, I can see the benefits of both, but I, it depends on your personality. The trailer's definitely good if you were fifth wheel because you've got a vehicle with you. You don't have to tow anything. Uh, there's plus and minuses, as most people know, on, on towables versus motorized. I think it's up to the individual person and what they like. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed yep. my motorhome. I don't think I would have had the ability to back a fifth wheel or a big travel trailer myself when I was. Out or I remember when you were out there and your schedule, and I don't know how you did it. You <laughs> were, I think you wore yourself out there after a I while, did. but uh, yeah, I worked for you. Your little, I'll never forget being in your little podcast studio there, how cool that was. <laughs> you had a really nice setup there. That was um, fun. What yeah. are some of the favorite places that you visited in your RV? Oh, I, geez, how can I ever say? I, it's always, uh, often it's about the people you meet there, but uh, for sheer beauty, I always tell people, come out to the the Southwest to the Red Rock country of Utah, go Zion, Bryce. They're also busy these days, but those are just magnificent. And the Oregon coast that I just got back from, it's magnificent. And the people have never been to Death Valley, don't know what it's, how beautiful that place can be. And then going through the Pennsylvania, the Amish country back there is just stunning. There's, that's the thing. I don't think there's any place in this country you can go you think of Kansas being flat and yet you go back there and there's hills and there's beauty in these little towns. And, and that's, I think that's the beauty of RVing is that you can go be on the coast and walking on the beach and then you can be in the mountains and then you can be in the desert and you get tired of the weather, you move to where the weather's better. It's, it really is an ideal life if you're not, not dependent upon being in one place. There is an enormous amount to see and do in America. Oh. And it just, well, that's why I like RVing is because you can go there and you're right. I moved at a very fast pace when I was full time. Oh. I was moving every three to five days to a different location. And if I had to do it over again, I would follow the work camper lifestyle and go spend a season, yeah. or at least three months in one location and really get to know that location and see all the fun things to do in that area. We did that. The one time we did it, we went down to the Texas Hill Country near San Antonio, near Kerrville. And we stayed for about three or four months. And we had our little Honda Fit that we were towing. And we just settled in, got to know our neighbors, little rural area, quiet. The deer would come up and feed in, right in her backyard. And 
we we got to know the little restaurants, went to the opera, not the opera, but the symphony there in Kerrville once, which was very well done and just settled in like citizens. And, and that was really nice. But when we left there, then we got to have a whole nother experience. And if you're restless, it's just, there is nothing like it. And if you got a little RV that you're comfortable in, our, our little a motorhome that some people would say they're full-timers at 32 feet. It was a Winnebago adventure would be too small, but too small for two people and to be working. But the bedroom had a door that closed off and we built a little desk back there for me, which is all I needed with my mm-hmm. laptop, a little extension monitor. And I could just close that door and go back there and work. And Gail could be up front doing whatever she wanted to do. And, and we never, I never... And then, of course, on good days, you're sitting outside under the awning, which is mm-hmm. the front porch in an old one at home. You sit out there and watch everybody go by and something to be said about that for meeting people. Um, Having deer so, in your backyard is nice, but so is bison. That can be an, an interesting experience. Have you ever been over there in the Yellowstone area to have the bison? Yeah, I've had an experience with bison. I was I was doing a video of one up in Wyoming and I was had my camera on telephoto, my video camera, and I was videotaping it up the road ahead. And my RV was behind me. The door was open, I think. And I, all of a sudden, I, this bison was getting much bigger, heading right toward me. And I thought, boy, I'm in trouble. So I'm a stupid tourist. And I ran, ran back full speed, went into the RV, Closed the door and realized my tripod had punched a hole right into a, into a wall. That was my buffalo. And I've remembered the buffalo ever since. <laughs> so I've seen, yeah, plenty of buffalo, some great places. Yellowstone, yeah. Elk, every, it's out, it's seen everything out there, really. Even javelinas and wild pigs down in Arizona, which yes, is where you are. Very much so. Probably not in your back. Not in your backyard. But they are in my backyard. They pushed. They over, are. They pushed over a cactus last week. Yes. Oh my goodness! So, yeah, they can be big and aggressive. So when we give see javelinas, we just give them plenty of space, and they usually come out at night. Oh my! Yeah, I bet you people that aren't don't roam down in the southwest. I bet they've never even. They don't even know what a javelina is. It's, it was an unusual experience when I first encountered one. That's for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're just mean looking p- wild pigs, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you experienced any challenges in RV life? Oh, just the breakdowns. And of course, nowadays, the, the, the challenges that really puts a kind of a downer on it for me in, in some ways is I was the kind of RVer that generally liked to move around a lot. I wanted to go out and Back in or my original reporting days, I just like to go from one place, then go that night and write about it, and then maybe stay an extra day and then move on and go find another story. I just like to go. And there was never a problem where to stay. And yeah, I stayed in a lot of free campgrounds, but I did stay in Walmart lots. And, and if that's never appealed to me. I didn't want to grow up and be a, live in an RV and, and stay in camper park in Walmart lots. And I've yes. never seen the industry advertising, go R- or go RVing advertise a, a couple sitting out in a, in a Walmart parking lot. It's right. always all along the ocean, whatever. Hmm. But the fact is a lot of people do that today because campgrounds are packed 
or they're too expensive for just going and sleeping for eight hours. Although that seems to be approving, there seems to be a, a lot more campgrounds. Are there? Yes. Since the pandemic really changed everything, it forced a lot of people to stay home, not go to Europe, a lot of younger people. And of course, they really bought RVs in big numbers. And, and then the younger people that work in the ad agencies and everything, they go, oh, well, this is pretty cool. This is just grandma and grandpa and their little pink poodle. And, and it became cool again. Cool for the first time. It was always an old person's thing mm -hmm. and uncool. I was the only one in my 30s that had a motorhome. Everybody else was out backpacking. That's right. Back when we were growing up, our parents would always warn us, right? If you don't shape up, you're going to wind up living in a van by the river. And now that's a yeah. desired lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. A van by the river. Yeah. That's so funny. That skit. And yet it's true that a van by the river is pretty cool these days. Exactly. I, I anyway. recall RV travel being very into campground etiquette and trying to educate people on how to play nice in campgrounds. Are you still doing that? Yeah. Just be polite. Don't. It's, it, I think that what I heard from our readers in the last few years, during the pandemic especially, was all the new RVers out there who really didn't understand. It was that you keep your music down. You don't smoke a cigar outside your neighbor's window or you don't let your kids run through their campsites. Mm -hmm. and, and they come at it at, in at night and make a lot of noise. They, these were people that just decided, hey, well, we can't go anywhere. Let's buy a little RV. And they bought these inexpensive travel traders and they just really didn't understand enough of what they were doing to either make a lot of noise or get into trouble by hooking things up wrong or whatever. Aren't campfires one of your pet peeves too? People having campfires. Well, I think when, yeah, excuse me for interrupting, but yeah, I, I think uh, RV parks, well, campfires traditionally been something that went along with camping and there's no doubt about it when you're out in the forest service campground or state park and you, you got a campfire pit there and it's a beautiful night sitting out by the campfire is is wonderful but rv parks of course they make money selling firewood you can't blame them for that and but they'll often put the fire pit for one campground almost under the window of the neighbor and and a lot when we started writing about that and suggesting that campgrounds have no campfire areas for those people that are allergic to wood smoke and just smoke we got a lot of response from people that said they will not go in rv parks where campfires are allowed or at least in close proximity i've been in, i've been in campgrounds before in the middle of nowhere that that look like a bad la smog <laughs> from and that's people and i'm telling you sometimes it's an 80 degree night people mm -hmm. want their campfires well, yeah i I know how wonderful it is, but uh, there's a place for those. And uh, RV parks, when they put them right under someone's, the neighbor's window, and then the wind's blowing a certain way, we've had to just close our windows and turn on the air conditioner at times because of smoke. That's just another one of those etiquette things. I agree. Don't do that. Be, be courteous and be aware of what's around you. If your smoke is blowing into somebody else's cabin. If you're so close that you're impacting on their, listen, sometimes the slide outs are, are within six inches of each other, one right. to the other. And you can hear somebody snoring if they're really, <laughs> that's, right. that's not having a wonderful experience with nature. That's having a bad experience with your neighbor. If you had to start over today, is there anything you'd do differently? I don't know if I would, I'd know if I were back in college and I was dreaming about Going on the road, I would probably be like so many other young people and I'd start a YouTube channel. Okay. That's probably what I would do. 
when I think about my background had been in publishing through college, I I'd published little publications around where I was living, which was Sacramento, California. And I had all the, and the Macintosh came along, which allowed a desktop publishing, which was called, but for me, they called it desktop publishing. And I was the only one it was, that had all the skills to go out and put out. That's when I started out West, my, new, my quarterly newspaper that got me so much publicity and really amped up my whole exposure as an RVer. And, but I think today it's so easy. Anybody with a Facebook and listen, we did a, a survey of our, our readers not too long ago and half of them had some kind of social media presence. They're getting the same jollies that I've always got from publishing, which is sharing your mm -hmm. things you want to share with others. They do the same thing without coming up with a website or, or anything complicated. It's so easy and it's free. And so I don't know that I would have, because I like being unique. I like to be the only one that was doing what I was doing. And it worked for me because I was on the Today Show. People Magazine did a couple pages on me. And I was all over the place for a while when I was doing Out West, my newspaper, because I was so unique. Today, being on the road and earning a living as a, a publishing and writing is just not unique. And face it, some of these YouTube people are making six-figure income. So, Isn't that funny? Wow. Uh, yeah, it is. So I don't know what I would have done, but I really don't know. I don't know. Very good. Yeah. How can people get in touch with you if they'd like to connect with you? Just go to rvtravel.com and I'm Chuck at rvtravel.com. We also can go to, can go to Facebook. We have about 60 different Facebook groups. Oh my. Yeah. I think our main group is if they go to rvtravel.com slash groups, They'll find all our Facebook groups. It's, we use them to, we pick up a lot of new subscribers. We get a lot of ideas about what people are thinking and talking about. And it's crazy. Our circulation just has never grown this fast. It's picking up five, 6,000 new subscribers a month. It's just nuts. That's wonderful. Uh, and you're independent. And we're, we're independent and we will continue to write. We will continue to write stories from real people, not artificial intelligence. It is just awesome. getting out. And, and bad guys are going to start realizing they can make a ton of money by writing articles and instead of paying somebody to write it, they can create an article in 20 seconds that will pass for yes. most people. And the sites are already popping up everywhere. So we're competing. It's like playing whack-a-mole with instead of six little moles popping up, it's 500 popping up. It's you never know when a new one's going to pop up. We have some unique challenges. I've never seen more changed in the last year in terms of AI and content creators mm -hmm. just out there cranking stuff out and making money on the internet, a whole different subject, but it's much harder than it used to be. But for anybody that's a work camper that's looking to make some extra money writing, I suggest they go to rvtravel.com. Just follow us. We do write about that. If they're particularly talented, Email me and I'll talk to them. Chuck at rvtravel.com. And right. maybe they could be a contributor. We pay most of our writers. So that's um, great. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time today, Chuck. I really appreciate it. And I wish you the best of luck for another 50 years of RVing. Yeah. You too, Greg. You're just a little bit younger than me, but 50 years is good. So right. thank you. I've known Chuck Woodbury, the founder and publisher of RV Travel, for many years. Chuck started RV Travel in 2001, the year after I started working as a journalist covering the RV industry. 
We would bump into each other at trade shows and other big RV events. His passion for the RV lifestyle has been evident in all he does. One thing that has really stood out for Chuck is how more people are embracing RVing at younger ages today. In the past, people retired and then bought their first RV. Today, people are traveling while they are still young enough to enjoy the experiences. Chuck said work camping has certainly opened the door to adventure for many people by helping to make the RV lifestyle more affordable. As an independent publication, Chuck is pleased RV travel can often delve into topics that other industry publications shy away from writing about. RV travel has more than 20,000 articles on its website, which have generated a quarter million comments from its readers. Of all the places Chuck has traveled, the Monument Valley of Utah remains one of his all-time favorites. But he also loves visiting the Oregon coast and driving through the Amish backcountry in Pennsylvania. The flexibility to move wherever you want to go is one of the greatest benefits to the RV lifestyle. With all the new RVers coming into the lifestyle after the COVID pandemic, often RV travel helps educate people on the etiquette of camping in ways that make it an enjoyable experience for others. RV Travel is a free publication. People can read stories on the website at www.rvtravel.com or subscribe to the free weekly newsletter as well. In fact, people who may want to write about their RVing and work camping experiences are encouraged to email Chuck at chuck at rvtravel.com. He's always looking for good contributors. Today's episode was sponsored by Work Camper News. With its diamond and platinum membership tools, WorkCamper News is much more than just a job listing website. When you put the tools of this professional service into action, you'll find out just how easy it can be to turn your work camping dreams into reality. The one-year memberships open the door to a one-stop shop for all things work camping. Being the original resource for work camping, you'll find the largest number of job listings, be able to connect with the community of work campers, and view resources compiled by experts who've been enjoying the RV lifestyle for many years. If you're serious about leading a successful and enjoyable work camping lifestyle, then a Diamond or Platinum membership is for you. You can even get started with a free 30-day trial by visiting www.workcamper.com forward slash trial. Embark on new adventures today with the support of Work Camper News behind you. That's all for this week's show. I'll have another fun interview on the next episode of The Work Camper Show. If you like these interviews, please consider leaving a review wherever you download the episodes. Thanks for listening.